okay, you played baseball. Did you ever collide with a catcher? You know what? Yeah. You know, and I and I have had like some that. big time and events. I would say those individuals with a sustained loss of taste and smell have higher risk of future neurological conditions. So, I mean, what do we need to load up on Sudoku books? Like what, what action steps can we take to work on contributing to better neurological health? I've got Dale Brown, AKA the wild doc here. I've lost my sense of taste and smell. It's about 50% back after two weeks. I think I may have had COVID. My test yeah. was negative. I may have had it. But you wrote, did, did you know that the olfactory uh, dysfunction loss of smell is an early warning sign of a higher risk of uh, neuro, neurodegenerative diseases? That said, I'd encourage anyone with a loss of taste or smell to evaluate their health in the areas that would contribute to better neurological health. Now, I lose my keys, phone, and wallet like all the time. That's been like a lifelong problem. But I have noticed, I'm, I'm not kidding here, that my um, ability to retain short-term memory has yeah. really struggled the last two years, really struggled. Um, I don't know why that is. And this, this whole loss of smell and taste that's gone on, I've never had it last for two weeks, maybe a day, maybe two days with the flu, uh, but this is different. So speak to that for a minute and how should I um, work on my neurological health? It depends on what may be the contributing factors to your situation. So you look at like just kind of two examples, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. If you look at the <clears throat> primary risk factor for the development of Parkinson's disease, if you look at the statistics and the science that's available, they would rank head and neck injuries as the primary risk factor. Like that is your like history says you had a head and neck injury. Parkinson's disease is a high probability. Okay. Um, you're at higher risk of developing that neurological neurodegenerative condition. Second to that is like chemical, toxic, chemical exposure, neurotoxin exposure. Um, you look at Alzheimer's kind of flip-flop. It's like your highest risk factor is they're looking at in that condition would be more of neurotoxin exposure, chemical exposure, you factory worker, things like that. And then head and neck trauma being secondary to the, the, the primary one. And then there's some other risk factors. So those are risk factors. <clears throat> so when working with somebody, it's like, you know what? It's like, okay, you played baseball. Did you ever collide with a catcher? You know what? Yeah. You know, and I, and I have had like some that. big time and, events. <laughs> yeah. So you have a higher risk from a history standpoint, you had the injuries, the mechanisms of contributing factors that could lead to that neurodegeneration. And while COVID may be an acute inflammatory infection that can have a neurological impact, uh, if it's sustained loss of taste and smell, I would say those individuals with a sustained loss of taste and smell have higher um, risk of future neurological conditions. Because when you look at Alzheimer's, you look at Parkinson's, you look at dementia, one of the early warning signs, it's losing your taste and smell is not the contributing factor. It's what leads to the neurological or the loss of neurological integrity at those specific cranial nerves. Okay. So it's a sign of loss of nerve integrity to lose your sense of taste and smell. So if those are early warning signs for future neurological decline. Hey, take note of that. If I'm having prolonged loss of taste and smell and it's not recovering well, okay. It's a warning sign. It's a, it's a clinical potential indicator. It's a clinical so, so what, indicator. what are some action steps then mm -hmm. to, to do if you're in my boat or like my sister, she lost her sense of taste and smell for eight months after getting COVID. 
And it's gotcha. just now returning to normal. So, I mean, what do we need to load up on Sudoku books? Like what, what, what action steps can we take to work on um, uh, contributing to better neurological health? So there's the simplistic things where it's like, stay physically active, eat better, stay metabolically healthy, take care of your liver, your kidney, your filtering systems, your body. You know, there's those like simple, everybody should be doing it. Um, hopefully you are. And then there are, okay. You versus, I think you said your sister also. Yeah. Yeah. She, she had it for a long time. So there I would say, okay, you tell me your story, your history, you're a baseball player. So you had head injuries. So, okay. There's a structural traumatic incident. And, you know, a lot of that came from the idea there I'm studying to become in practice more of what would be like, termed and coined functional neurology. So while I'm a chiropractor, I would like to eventually be able to practice more functional neurology. Neurology. A lot of people have heard of functional medicine. Mm-hmm. I'm not a medicine treat symptom, a tick for tat. I like to, Hey, what are the contributing factors? How can we resolve those contributing factors? How can we help the body heal from that physical injury that you may have sustained? That could be your contributing factor that made you susceptible to COVID causing prolonged loss of taste and smell. Um, with a, a, the virus, the infection would be an additional contributing factor lumped on top of those past physical injuries. So you cannot take a concussion without, without there's you, it's impossible to have TBI or concussions without a serious cervical spine injury. Hmm. And while it may not prolong, it may not have prolonged pain of the cervical spine, you can still have deterioration of the structure and joints of the spine that then lead to what's called disaffrontation, which is a decrease or abnormal neurological input into the cerebellum into the which feeds over into our hemispheres in our brain okay, okay right. and yep. to simplify i usually tell people it's like you're alternating your car if it doesn't move appropriately it's not going to feed your computer and your battery and keep things running as long eventually your computer system is going to fail because yep. you do not have enough power generation so afferent input into our brain is that movement of our body primarily, especially in the cervical spine. And if you have disaffrontation, a lower electrical impulse feeding the brain, your brain will atrophy. That's why people who have spinal fusions have a higher risk. It's not a guarantee, but they have a higher risk of cerebral hemisphere atrophy as well as cerebellar atrophy. So- 